Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I am joined today by Steve Wallenhouse. He is the founder of Weatherology, a platform that helps local communities stay informed during critical weather situations. He's also a motivational speaker in leadership, and his latest book and podcast are called The Anatomy of Success. And Steve, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Corey, how are you? I am well, my friend. Thank you. We got through a little technical <laughs> difficulty. It may have been technically difficult for you, Corey, but obviously the way I handled the situation under tremendous stress was uh, unparalleled. Absolutely. Well, it's all the all those uh, weather those weathered storms have prepared you for technology. I'm sure. Exactly. So, well, you know, before we actually get into the anatomy of success, which is your book and podcast, I do want to talk about the weather situation because you have been um, a meteorologist for, I guess, a long time. And you were also, I guess, the inventor of the weatherology platform. So is that an app exactly? Or tell me a little bit more about that. And, and what is weatherology? Sure. When I was 21, I was the first and youngest uh, meteorologist in a major market in this country at CARE 11 in Minneapolis. Quickly realized that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I started doing weather updates for local radio stations, which has blossomed into the largest weather radio network in the world. 1,300 stations nationwide gives us the largest listening audience across the Midwest with 22.5 million cube quarterly listeners. And so we've created a digital platform, which is Weatherology, and that is the only audio weather API in the world that takes real human voice and translates text to human voice instantaneously. So it's like Siri and Alexis, but it sounds a lot better, far more personalized, and it's actual meteorologists. So it integrates into uh, dashboards in automobiles, uh, smart speakers, as well as cell phones. Super proud and new iterations coming out always. And we're in the process of upgrading our UPI in the app right now to do some interesting things, but it has all the features you would expect from a typical weather app, but uh, it's free. And there's a whole lot of uh, additional things that we'll be offering that kind of differentiate us from the other apps in the uh, the app store. Wow. That's amazing. I actually will make sure we um, share that information with our, our audience so they know how to how to find the app as well. And I'll just share, you know, I used to want to be a weatherman as a kid. However, I'm geographically challenged. I just cannot remember. And I, and I saw that they have to use this like blue screen or something. And the actual map is not really there. You have to kind of like know <laughs> where you're pointing, like Amp without it actually being there. Yeah. You'd be great though. I mean, with your personality and your, your voice and all these wonderful things you have, I think it would take me two weeks to put you in a position where I could get you a major market job. And I've done that for a lot of people. So don't give up on that dream. Okay. Um, point <laughs> Taken. <laughs> all right, I've made a mental note of that. I might be a weatherman after all. Well, thank you. I'll let yeah. Sam Champion know he better watch out. That's right. So, <laughs> well, well, on from that though, you do have a wonderful speaking platform and you 
have some great, great words of wisdom. I was watching some of your videos and some of them are, I mean, they're all poignant. Some are very funny too, but you know, always good messages, but anatomy of success, um, the podcast and the book. So tell me about why you wrote that book and what was the inspiration behind it? Well, it's a great question. My my father, who was my best friend, passed away about five years ago. And so he was kind of the inspiration. We were best friends. He was very smart, very successful. He was an entrepreneur. I learned a great deal from him. And I was kind of at a point in my life, Corey, quite candidly, where I'd worked very hard to build a very successful business and was enjoying the fruits of my labor, contemplating an easy transition into semi-retirement and, you know, post up on a beach someplace in the Maldives and just disappear into uh, obscurity. And then after my father passed away, it, it dawned on me that I have a responsibility to share the great wisdom that he passed on to me. And I started to tap into this notion of leaving a legacy far above and beyond my own selfish interests. And uh, it's it's inspired me to really do a lot of things. And I'm so glad I made that decision because the feedback I get every day, we've been blessed. I went on LinkedIn four years ago. The past three years, they've named us one of the top 50 uh, most impactful people on that platform. Mm-hmm. And the message is resonating with people because the book is really predicated on the idea that Every one of us should define success individually based on what's important to us and our idea of what constitutes professional, personal success, relational success, and health is at the foundation of that. So my dad was the inspiration, uh, the ideas that I've had over my lifetime, the journey of being an entrepreneur since 21, as you can imagine, mm. recalling what you were like at that age, you know, yeah. I was super driven, motivated, impatient, get out of my way. I'm coming through and it's my way or no way to where I'm at today, which is a totally different, more self-aware, emotionally intelligent person that operates very differently. And mm. so that journey has provided me with a lot of insight that I'm, I'm blessed to be able to share with people in a very succinct way. That is wonderful. And I love that you talk about the comparison of who you were versus who you are today, because I relate to that too. You know, you and I were speaking before we started recording about some of my pursuits in media and, you know, I was a performer and I remember being 21 when you're at that age, you know, and you, you got the 21 year old's body and you got the arrogance to go with it. And you think, you know, everything. And, <laughs> and I look back and I'm like, I knew nothing. And I'm so much more on top of my game today at this age aware, right? Um, I I know where I'm going and what I don't want to be involved with. And I think people need to understand that, you know, you have to uh, give yourself time to evolve into yourself. Exactly. And I think, you know, we live in a world that celebrates shortcuts and, and hacks and, and everybody's trying to expedite success in favor of some recipe that's off the shelf that enables us to, you know, assimilate that into our process of becoming a better version of ourselves. And, and there is no recipe because all of us are very different. And sadly enough, part of that process entails trial and error and experimentation and having the courage to put yourself out there and do some things at the expense of maybe embarrassing yourself or stumbling. And I think when you come to terms with that, and for me, fortunately, in my late 20s, I had this epiphany, compliments of my dad, who said, you know what, you need to find somebody who's operationally as gifted as you are when it comes to the sales and the entrepreneurial visionary side of things. And thanks to that 
ability to recognize at that time that I needed that. And then having the awareness to appreciate when I find that person, I got to stay out of their way and give them complete access to their creativity and let them operate without impunity. Man, things took off, Corey, in such a beautiful way for me. And the process of learning as a product of that person and their gifts and what we passed on to one another has made this company into the best business in the world of what we do. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great words of wisdom from dad, of course, because one of the things I have spoken to CEOs about when I've interviewed them for the podcast, or I should say one of the common denominators I have found when I've spoken to successful CEOs is exactly what you just said about identifying people who can make your vision come to life and giving them the space to succeed so many times we want to micromanage others, right? We don't want, we want to hold things close to our chest and you have to sometimes give people the ability to be successful because it only will make you more successful in the end if you give them the opportunity, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I've decided to focus on over the past 37 years since I started this company is discovering people that don't even know what talents they possess at a time in life when they're still dabbling in frustration or curiosity. And I'm able to extract from them as a product of genuine conversation that engages our seeking systems and stimulates better listening. And I can find out what it is about that person that they may like, like you. I know you have musical interests and these things already based on our brief conversations. And I've been able to assemble a really good assessment of what people's potential are and extract the very best, even before they realize what they're able to do. And then that process becomes a confidence building exercise that, you know, and I always preface that with, listen, I'm watch what we're doing here as you and I grow in our relationship together. The only expectation I have is that when we hire other people, you do the same thing for them and, and take the time to help nurture, cultivate, coach, and mentor other people. And we've had this environment of reciprocity that just continues to build on itself. And it's, it's a remarkable thing. And the sad reality of it is based on all the research, you know, 85% of all working adults are dissatisfied with work today as a product of bad leadership. So as many of us leaders that like to evangelize these things that we profess to care so much about, there's very few actually practicing this stuff proficiently to the point where uh, it's reflecting in their organization and uh, the family atmosphere that they have or don't have. And so my hope is it catches on because it's counterintuitive. You know, the natural tendency for high achievers like I was in my 20s is to, this is the way it's going to be done, full steam ahead. If you're not on board, get lost. I'm coming through. And when you realize that if you just stay out of people's way and give them complete flexibility to do things their way, they get creatively involved and there's meaning and purpose now discovered in work. And that's what's really lacking with all these people that are clearly indicating that they're unhappy at work. So uh, we've been lucky, you know? Yeah. That's so true when it comes to the work environment, because very often it's said that when people leave a job, they're not leaving the job, they're leaving the manager or the, the you know, the people they work for. So you have a, you know, spot on assessment there because very often it is the, the lack of, of, of management or the, or poor management that causes that to happen. But also you do have in your uh, anatomy of success, you do talk about, I guess, what are you call these four tenants, if you will, of um, equanimity, right? And they're, they're broken down, I guess, in different segmentations. So let's talk about those. So what are the four tenets that you speak of in this book? 
You know, it's, it's super simple for me and it's a reflection of the things that I've done in my life that I've discovered on a daily basis provide me with joy and meaning, which elevates happiness each and every day. And so many people, again, in recent research are just very unhappy. We're living in a troubled time, Corey, where people are depressed, teens. I just wrote an article about this. There's a higher rate of suicide and depression among teens of all races, ethnicities, sexual orientations, and genders. So this is not a thing unique to certain individuals. And that's why, you know, we got to stop focusing on all these things and get serious about this generation of young people that are troubled and disoriented. And I believe there are some serious reasons why that's the case, which I'd be happy to elaborate on uh, in another episode. But, you know, the four tenets come into play because it puts health and wellness at the foundation of our efforts individually to take command of our life and start to move in the direction of greater life satisfaction. And I have found, and so many other people I know that are successful in life, highly successful people that are operating at a high frequency, you know, they make health and wellness top priority. And what people don't realize, I spend six hours a day on wellness, no exaggeration, whether it's workouts and intense workouts, you know, stretching, yoga, long walks, reading, learning, growing, developing, using my mind and my body. The average CEO, I can promise you, doesn't come anywhere close to spending that kind of time every day. So the whole formula is lopsided. We have these people that are charging ahead full steam with their eyes shut in life, doing a good job. They're smart, capable, talented people, but they don't take nearly enough time to have this dedication to health and wellness, which obviates the stress and the frustration and the tension and all the friction that frequently manifests itself in a very unpleasant way in our relationships, personally and professionally. Not to mention the fact that if your health is in disarray, Corey, your whole life is out of balance. You know, you can have as much money as you want, the biggest business you want, the prettiest wife or husband or boyfriend, girlfriend you want. But if you're flat on your back nursing some really serious health-related issues, Sorry, that stuff means absolutely nothing. So that's the first tenet. And then healthy relationships, intimate relationships, whatever those are for you, you know, take it seriously. Have a good one. You know, be good at it. Don't just take it casually and don't take the people in your life casually. Friendships, family, absolutely important. And then, of course, satisfying work which is something that's frequently overlooked because so many people just, it's the Monday mentality. Oh, you know, here's work, got to do it until Friday. Hip, hip, hooray, here's the weekend. You're living your life like that. You're on a track consistent with, you know, finding probably burnout at some point. And certainly you're not going to be very happy living up to your true potential professionally. So I encourage people to find meaning, satisfaction, in whatever they do professionally. And those are the four tenets. And if we focus on those things, as you can imagine, there's plenty of opportunity every day to find happiness and feel like we're making progress. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it is seemingly so simple, but it's not easy to do for so many people for various reasons, but it's interesting. You bring up the, the career aspect, because for example, I went to college later in life. I was a starving artist in New York city. So I was like, Oh, I'll go later. I'll go later. And I did eventually go um, at 36 and I made a deal with myself to get my bachelor's degree done in four years. And, you know, I did that whole thing and made it happen, which was an amazing accomplishment. And then I was able to go into a career that at my age, at that age, I could be really targeted and focused on what I want to do. That's why I believe that the idea of maybe making kids go to college right after high school, because 
this profession makes a lot of money. And so that's what your uncle Harry did and your dad did. And so you're going to go be an accountant too. And those kids, I know those kids who did that. And I went to the high school reunion with them like 10 years later and they're burnt out. They hate their lives. They hate the career decision. So I think there's something to be said about finding out what you want because you need to maybe experience other things first before you decide on that career, right? Before you get no, stuff absolutely. like that. You, you bring up such a, a critically important point, and I point this out in my book. The irony of it is that, you know, the process in America and many other places around the world, you know, we go to school and we focus on education up until we're 21, 22. The belief is from there, we get into a career that's going to provide us with life satisfaction and financial reward with the idea that somehow at 60, 65, we'll have squirreled away enough money to comfortably retire and sit on a beach someplace and relax for the rest of our life. I'm telling you right now, folks, just eviscerate that notion from your mind. That formula is flawed. It's messed up. And there's a far better approach. There's nothing wrong with education. The way you did it, it's perfect. Your plans worked out perfectly. Look where you're at. The music, all those things have come together to create this place that you're at now with the opportunities that you're creating for yourself. So who cares how long it took you to get there? You know, the fact is that you're doing stuff I can tell that you really love. And it's consistent with, you know, a lot of the interests that I think you've cultivated over the years. So, and what happens a lot of times is parents today are pushing kids so hard that they're well-intended, I think, whether it's coaches, teachers, priests, pastors, whatever, parents, you know, they push kids in the direction of got to get an education, got to be a prestigious university. We have to get good grades, get into these universities, and then we got to get a degree and you're right. Let's pursue the high paying professions, doctor, lawyer. And these kids are just kind of going with the flow because they can't even take a breath to assess what it is they want to do in life. They're so burdened with this notion that everybody else is living vicariously through them. And it's not malicious. Mm -hmm. It's well-intended. Right, parents want right. the best for their kids. Mm -hmm. And kids just follow along because at that point in life, they don't have the capacity a lot of times to say, wait a minute, this isn't my bag. It's not what I want to yeah, do. Yeah. I want to forfeit school until I'm 36. I want to play music. I want to do my thing. And then I'm going to go to school. And it worked out just fine. You're going to be just fine in life. Everybody is. You know, and, and so that's a lot of times what happens. And ironically, you know, the statistics reveal that a full 85% of all college graduates are doing a job unrelated to their degree. 85%. So what you just pointed out is far more profound than you realize. Wow. It's, it's an epidemic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because one of my earliest memories uh, as a child, and I mean, I'm talking like seven or eight, for some reason in my family, I had a lot of people who worked in like funeral services, like, un like literally like undertakers, like my uncle Paul. And, you know, he provided a great life for his family, but he was an undertaker, right? That was his job. So I was like, like in third grade, maybe second grade, when the teacher asks, like goes around the room and is like, what do you want to do to like 10 year olds? And I was like, I want to be an undertaker. And she was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? Like she, she thought I was, there was something wrong with me, but I was already being indoctrinated to like, you know, you're going to do this because there's money in that. I'm like, that's like, you know, pulling out dead body parts all day. Like I don't, but so, but I was already groomed with that mindset of, you know, you're going to go to high school, go to college, and you're going to go into funereal sciences. I mean, can you imagine me in funerals? Like, can you? Imagine? You'd have been great at it. But the <laughs> thing is, you know, it's it's like I said, it's very innocent and it's innocuous. But the problem is, you know, you just go through life, and when you, you know, 
abide by this system we have, which is all about rewards and punishment. We go to school, we get good grades, we follow the rules, we do what we're told. You know, that's the formula, get through college. And a lot of people go through life with blind obedience. And in the process, you know, it obviates creativity, curiosity, and all these critically important things that really help us discover what it is about ourselves we're naturally inclined to do. And many of us have those natural curiosities that arise somewhere in childhood. And then we, you know, dismiss those things in favor of the safe path, which is the high paying path or the one that promises the most happiness. And most people end up in their 30s and 40s, 50s, 60s, miserable. And they look back on life regretting because regret is a product of the things we look back on and wish we would have done versus, man, I shouldn't have done as much drinking or smoking. Those are regrets we can get over. It's the, the you know, when you have the epiphany, when you're 60, you know, nine years old and your health is in disarray and you say, should have started that business. Or in your case, you know, you pursued the music thing, which I say that's phenomenal because now you've removed the need to lament about that and ruminate about that later in your life. You've got a pass now. You can say, you know what? I gave it a shot. Just didn't work out. Now music can be a, a hobby for me, just like music's a hobby for me. You know, I realized I'm not cut out for the professional thing. That's really hard work. And the people that do well at that, man, are they talented. And I didn't want it bad enough, Corey. Let's be honest, because whatever we want bad enough in life, we're going to do it. But I didn't want to play in smoky bars. I didn't want to travel all over the country. I didn't want dysfunctional bandmates. I, I didn't want to do all that badly enough. So the people that succeed, they're willing to do that stuff and eat their poop sandwiches, I call it. <laughs> well, you know, what I find interesting about dreams and pursuits on that same note is allowing the evolution of the dream, so to speak. So mm -hmm. for example, with the music thing, you know, my mind and my mind, I was like going to become the next Michael Jackson or Prince as far as I was concerned. Right. And that didn't work out. Um, today I literally am a commercially successful as far as a songwriter goes. I work on projects. I do content for national brands um, you know, I, I have, I'm a Grammy voter. I'm a member of the voting, the, you know, all, all these things are looking back. It was because I allow some flexibility with the dream. Okay. So I didn't become the next Michael Jackson, the Prince, but I still work in the music industry. I still have a wonderful connection to the performing arts. So, you know, allow the dream to morph a little bit. And I think um, successful CEOs I've spoken to have also said that they had to learn how to adapt in times of change. And that's a biggie, I think. What do you think about that? It, it is. And I think at the same time, you know, you know, so many people um, want to move through this process as quickly as possible and get to this idea of success that's so romantically intriguing. You know, we're in love with the idea of being in success, just like we're in love with the idea of being in love. And we don't realize the hard work, effort, long-term commitment necessary. And so at 21, I made the decision that, you know, not everything about business has to be great. I don't have to love every aspect of business. I want to make a lot of money, be successful, and I want to have the freedom and flexibility to live the kind of life that I want to live that allows me today to spend six hours a day doing what I want, taking nine, 10 trips a year strictly for pleasure not work, phone's off, I'm gone for two weeks. So that was important to me. So sometimes to build a business that gets you to that place, it's not about, I got to love every aspect of it. I got to be in love with everything. You don't. Figure out what makes 
you know, sense, what can be profitable, what can be the kind of business that can evolve and grow and have the greatest possibility of success. And I think that's the adaptation feature you're alluding to that a lot of CEOs share and understand you have to. And over the past two years, we've seen that poignantly illustrated companies and businesses and leaders that have failed to adapt to these unpredictable circumstances we just endured fell flat on their face. And many of us that thrived and flourished during that time understood how important it is to let people work from home. We've been doing that for 25 years. This isn't some mystery. You know, we've had artificial intelligence in place before Amazon and Google did. You know, so a a lot of these things, we have to predict and anticipate trends before they transpire and be in a position to be way ahead of the curve. And that's business acumen that you train yourself to be well-versed in over time. And, And so, again, you bring up a great point, flexibility being adaptable and just not getting married to anything and then feeling the frustration and anger that coincides with the disappointment of that dream not materializing versus, you know what, in your case, you've made music successful in some form. Like you said, you're still tapped into your passion and love for music. It's just not quite the picture you had in your head when you were in your early 20s. That's phenomenal. That's wonderful. Words of wisdom from Steve Wallenhouse, founder of Weatherology and author and podcast host of Anatomy of Success. Steve, thanks so much for your time today, man. This is really, it's been a great conversation. I think you're, I think you're awesome. So I'm already an instant fan. So if that means anything. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you having me on, Corey, and it's been great meeting you and I can't wait to stay in touch. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.